Welcome back, Red Spotters, to our show here on Red Spotlight. I'm your host, Alexis, joined by David Francisco for another installment of our weekly TV segment series, recapping the latest with Disney Plus Marvel series, Miss Marvel. Last week, we discussed episode four, and this week, we'll discuss episode five. Again, five of six episodes, in case you forgot, but do not worry. I will remind you several times tonight of why that is such a big issue for me. Anyway, we're going to talk about Miss Marvel and everything, but I do have a couple of things to say off the top, and I do apologize, David, that um, I do want to just go ahead and get it. I want to say this now because I'm not sure when... Uh, I think soon, but we are going to have a review for the uh, season four finale and just entirety of season four. Well, actually, we already have a review with David, I, I want to say, um, of the first half of season four of Stranger Things. And soon, with Kyle, we are going to have a review of the finale. I do want to say this, that... Um, Look, I feel like that finale was every reason for why Stranger Things happens to be the single uh, biggest television show on the planet and for streaming and may be the de facto streaming series. Um, the level of which the Duffer brothers are operating at, you know, with all of these wonderful characters, with these amazing actors and with just the know-how for how to deliver a deeply satisfying story. I mean, let alone finale, but just a, a, what a triumph I want to, I do want to say, because I stayed up <laughs> I think until 4.30 in the morning to watch that damn, what, um, I think it was four hours? No, it was a four hour finale, because I mean, one of them was an hour and a half, and the last episode nine was two and a half hours. Um, it was absolutely amazing. There were so many moments where I literally got chills because of, uh, I mean, the climax has to be one of the best climaxes I've seen um, maybe ever with how it all kind of came together. You know, that moment, one of the things that Stranger Things does best, and you called it, David, um, every single season when the storylines all coalesce into one, although it happened in a way that I'm not sure any of us foresaw mm -hmm. happening, but it, I still ended up, I think it ended up actually working better in some ways than it would have otherwise. Um, just so deeply emotional as well. I mean, look, it is well known throughout the industry. Again, like we say with Iman Vellani um, and many young actors, right? It is a well-known thing that it is difficult to cast um, young actors, especially if you're going to be working with them for a long time. But, you know, to give all the credit in the world to, oh my goodness, all of these wonderful actors. Um, but, I mean, all of the original ones had such amazing moments when you had Mike, Will, Max... Lucas and Dustin, um, Eleven, like all of them had, and again, some of these characters had a lot bigger, you know, stories throughout this entire Stranger Things 4 than others, but they all had moments that shine from an acting standpoint that were just so wonderfully, uh, executed and just tear jerking. And I have to say, you know, for this was the goriest, uh, season of Stranger Things, uh, I've, I've I think they've ever done. Uh, just from the from the pure death standpoint, and there were some moments where they took it a lot farther than I ever expect they would. Like there was a moment that happens, particularly with Sadie Sink, who plays Max this season. Who my I look, I think she probably stole the season. Uh, she had, her character was one of the best parts of the season, and what they do with her, I particularly found was kind of horrific. 
Um, I it's not something I was expecting, but uh, look, it was kind of. Um, it reminds you of how great television can be when you you have like wonderful minds behind that kind of craft everything and set it all up. And I know a lot of things happen in season four that kind of like retroactively go back and like, you know, because there's a lot of stuff in this season that predates the first season. Um, and yet it all fits so well. It doesn't feel like it's like retconning anything. And it was a grand finale that if you kind of notice in the four hours it wasn't all focused on action. The action came basically at the very end with the climax, and it was all very satisfying. But what does a finale always do to close up the season? It focuses on the characters. It gives them the moments that they're needed to grow and to enrich the story. And a lot, and I know a lot of people were complaining. I guess I saw that there were like monologues left and right, and these characters are like having like many emotional moments. I'm sorry, that's what a story is supposed to have. That's what a finale is supposed to have to bring everything to a resolution. And I think that's a perfect example of what I personally have been missing from a lot of the Disney Plus finales, particularly the Marvel Disney Plus finales, um, and that I'm afraid. Um, is going to be a reminder once again once the Miss Marvel finale happens next week because I already have a pretty prediction, a pretty good prediction of how things are going to play out, and I'm not happy. I just, I want to <laughs> I want to preface that I'm not happy with how things are going to go. Um, that isn't to say that the episode we're discussing tonight I thought was not good. No, I, I want to. I'm going to make my feelings pretty clear in a minute or so, but I just wanted to get that out there that we are going to have a full breakdown of of Stranger Things four, but I. Honestly, kind of loved it. I don't know if you wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, again, non-spoiler, just an overview of the finale, David. Uh, uh, you did see it, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because, I mean, it's how could you not? It's been almost a week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, the only thing, though, is that <laughs> I thought this was, like, the series finale. And so, like, my mind was kind of like, how are they going Wait, what? Yeah, I, I completely forgot there was going to be another season. But, like, yeah. <gasps> <laughs> okay yeah i mean look I, I mean for a while there you could look at it as a good enough series finale but what were the things that you were thinking uh, okay i guess that gets into spoilers but uh you were okay i, I see what you're saying yeah and i mean right. it was just, I was just gonna say like uh, um you know when we're getting to the climax of it and I saw how much time there was left. I was, was kind of like, how the heck are they going to resolve all this? Like, what's going to happen mm -hmm. exactly? Uh, and so it just kind of left me a bit confused <laughs> for a second. But then I just went, oh, this probably wasn't the but, finale. <laughs> well, the ending, finale. I think, should have given it away that it wasn't like the, Yeah. Because the ending is a cliffhanger. Mm, no, I mean, not the ending, ending, but like just everything leading up to it. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, was, yeah, that part just kind of confused me. It, I mean, either way, though, there was some great buildup to this final climax yeah. of the characters and everyone else, especially with Eleven. Um, there was yeah. a particular moment with her that I just absolutely loved. Uh, yes. Uh, but yeah, overall, though, still was a really, really good season. Um, I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, you... You're going to have to, because uh, mm -hmm. the next one will be in 2024. No. I know, it's so frustrating. We should, I mean, I'm willing to wait a year. Two years, man. I mean, mm, yeah. 
Anywho, I just wanted to get that out there because there's a lot of built up um, thought to it uh, of Stranger Things. And I wanted to have a comment before we actually have our big review on the podcast itself. So moving on uh, in the next episode, I do want to also clarify that we are going to have reviews for Boz Lerman's Elvis biopic film starring Austin Butler. And we're also going to have a review for the uh, latest Marvel movie, Thor, Love and Thunder, uh, which we are going to see this week. Um, now, things have kind of have taken a turn, David. I know you and I last week were kind of like really happy about what the initial reactions were spelling out for Thor, Love and Thunder. But as usual, you know, that happiness really turned into ash in my mouth. Because here we are a week later, and uh, the full-on reviews have um, been released and has uh, left a lot to be desired for. You know, I'm not – look, I have a sneaking suspicion, and I'm also hoping because I have long since been a voice that really looks to – discredit a lot of these critics not because i'm that person that says well what do critics know no critics know a lot and i have a lot of really good takes but you know unlike i mean like everybody else they're not perfect and they're also they also have a bias and i feel it's pretty safe to see based on what you know uh the pattern seems to be no matter what happens no matter how bad the movie is unless for one odd reason, for a specific set of reasons, like Eternals, for example, which everybody like seemingly decided, okay, that's the one we're going to crap on. Again, from the critics' perspective, there is a bias in favor of you know the Marvel movies. There just is. Um, but even then, a lot of the things that they look for in Marvel movies are not what I look for in Marvel movies. So when I see things like, oh, this is a straight-up comedy um, and it has romance – and it has, you know, a strong focus on Thor and Jane. Um, and it doesn't really offer much in terms of, like, the grander scheme of, like, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, th- that's good. That's what I want out of these movies. I don't really care, you know, what this movie has to offer the MCU. I could, you know, not give a rat's ass. I'm What I care about is that this do a good enough job of, like, telling a story with its character. That's all I care. Um... And I guess that does remain to be seen because I mean, a lot of um, the reviews have given a lot of uh, compliments toward the emotion and um, the humor and the characters. And honestly, David, I think what we're going into is I'm not so much bothered by the critics as I am by a lot of the stuff that I shared with you yesterday when it came mm-hmm. to um, the TV spots and the new trailers that are coming out for the film that um, leave a lot to be desired in terms of the visual aesthetic of the movie. And you know where I'm at right now? I'm thinking we might be walking into the reverse of what ended up happening with Multiverse of Madness. And I think you and I came along in a similar line where, you know, we kind of love the film Multiverse of Madness from a purely visual standpoint. It's just a beautiful looking movie with amazing shots and just great filmmaking on display. But as far as the script, the story, and the characters are concerned, I mean, I can quote P.L. Travers from Saving Mr. Banks. It's just empty pap. Um, hmm. And I think with Thor Love and Thunder, the opposite might be the true, where um, the characters, the story, the emotion and investment 
is all there, but there may be a severe lacking quality to um, the visuals because, as I just alluded to, the TV spots, there was even a commercial, and I'm not even joking, there was a commercial with Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie, supposed to be like tie into the movie and everything, but it's really sad how, and I'm quoting a tweet from this, but it's pretty true, how indistinguishable the look of that commercial was from what the look of the movie was. This is a great example of when people criticize the over-commercialized quality, the factory making of the movies, because, and the cinematography, because, okay, really, are you, are you that unconcerned about the way the movie looks like that you do not care that it practically becomes, you know, indistinguishable from a TV commercial? Because that's the impression I'm getting again and again from all the Marvel movies. Again, the one that I feel didn't have this problem was Multiverse of Madness. And why is that the case? Because they had Sam Raimi behind the camera. That's kind of where we're at. Before I load on these, uh, this tweet thread I want to read out, um, David, did you have any thoughts on uh, what I've been saying so far about Thor Love and Thunder? Um... <laughs> No, I mean, no, I don't really have much to say. It's just, I agree with you in that these movies should focus more on character instead of the whole action of a crossover um, connection to the whole universe and everything. Uh, and it just, I mean, we're always going to be, I think we're always going to be disappointed by what everyone says about certain movies and shows. <laughs> it's just... Mm-hmm. somehow we always manage to be on the opposite end <laughs> every time yeah every time yeah basically um so yeah that's I- i'm just i just really want a good marvel movie i really really want a good marvel movie and i don't and a lot of the the, the problems that that you know from a distance that could be holding thor 11 thunder back may also be holding back miss marvel and it's just beginning to um uh, enrage me. Um, okay, what's next? Um, so, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode of Miss Marvel, right? Um, I, even, um, including this episode, I think, quite clearly, above and beyond, this has become the best um show that Marvel Studios has produced in the Disney Plus realm and I feel it is also easily the best uh series that has graced the presence of this streaming service um because I feel like it's it has a a, a clear difference in priorities than a lot of uh, superhero um, stories that come out of Marvel Studios because there is a clear focus on character development and emotion and just story that a lot of other movies and uh, Disney Plus series of the Marvel realm have repeatedly failed to present us with um, 
I'm five episodes in, and I can say, look, I love all of these characters. I love Kamala, and I love her family, Muniba, her mom. Um, even a lot of the uh, other side characters, just most of them, with a glaring exception, which we'll get into again, which we have already gotten into, but for the most part, it is a wonderful cast of charismatic uh you know, characters that really are there to serve a purpose and push the story forward. And I feel like with episode five, you really had, um, I love this episode minus the end, but I did love this episode. Um, and I do have some small issues with, um, the overall execution of it, but everything it was going for. And for the most part, everything it executed from an emotional standpoint was a home run. And it kind of was the culmination of like the story, um, that it was all leading up to with, you know, the family healing and the family moments and, you know, Kamala saving and all that stuff worked really, really well. Even at a moment where Kamala was trying to get through to our villain, a character who, quite frankly, um, I don't think has any business being here with how incompetent she's being handled. But even in that moment when Kamala was like extending a hand to help. Iman Vellani sold that moment so very well that I felt something there. Um, so, just so wonderful, honestly. Um, so, but the problem that I kept coming back to was, and I think it really was encapsulated when it just ended so abruptly, like comically too. Like a big explosion happens and then it just cut to black. Um... I know that it's ramping up toward the finale we're going to get next week. And so that's like, they have to cut it off there. Oh, because they structured this like a fucking movie chopped up in the six parts. And this is exactly what you get when you do that. Instead of actually wanting to do a season of television. This is kind of what happens. But... You also do get a feeling of it being rushed because um, all of the stuff that we see here with Kamala's ancestors, their story, and then also how it ties back into um, Kamala's own, um, uh, you know, struggles and then also her uh, embrace of her mom and her grandmother at the end. All of that stuff was excellent, David. The emotion, the commitment from the actors, that was Honestly, the stuff that makes this genre really flourish. Um, it was my favorite part of this whole episode and why I feel ultimately um, this works so much uh, more than anything else in its competition in this genre um, as far as uh, a Disney Plus show is concerned and why ultimately it still works for me in spite of the MCU shenanigans, if you will that continuously plague every single project that comes out of it. Um, when I say it was rushed, well, here's the thing. It, it kind of was because it was like, well, we got to the end and we know what ultimately this is going to set up. It's going to set up a big episode-long action sequence in Jersey City with damage control. By the way, I'm at the point where I'm not caring so much about spoilers, so things may slip out here. So if you care, oh well. But anyway, um, 
apparently damage control is the big um bad that Kamala Khan is going to have to be fighting in order in order to save her friends. Um and it most likely is going to look like what the Moon Knight finale looked like, what the fucking the Winter Soldier finale looked like, um what the One Division finale looked like. It's just going to be completely action and it'll be resolved and that'll be that. Because when you look at this episode 5 it kind of wrapped everything up from an emotional standpoint. Like what you have here is the resolution with Kamala and Muniba, mm. her, her mom. It kind of reached its climax. The same with their grandmother. Like it was a big reconciliation. Um, you know, all tying up with Kamala saving her own grandmother in the past. Um, the the clandestine, which. Believe me, me, we're going to get to how that ended up happening. But, oh, yeah, the clandestine are just, they're gone now. That seemingly wrapped itself up in a rather confusing matter, I might add. But that wrapped itself up. Okay. Well, then, all right. Well, what's what's left to do here? Damage control? So I'm having a really, just, I'm having a hard time just understanding why these decisions were made in that, okay, so very clearly the clandestine were set up to be the main villains for this season, but you do nothing to really, well, you do nothing with them. Mm -hmm. They're like, you have one scene where they're nice, then the next scene they're bad, and then they're just killing people left and right. You care nothing for them, you don't even like them, they do just annoying things left and right and this show give us give us no reason to care about why they're doing it or how they're doing it the way they're going about doing it okay then i guess they're gone and then now damage control is the main adversary for this season which damage control is a government organization I'm why 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 are we doing this um so a lot of these emotional payoffs that we got here in episode five were outstanding but like what we saw with the stranger things finale this these are the moments that should have been saved for the finale so on one hand maybe I should be thankful that we got these payoffs in the first place because a lot of this was missing for me from moon Knight but this stuff really should have been saved for the finale. But maybe you can't do that when you're always so focused on just giving us a big action set piece that probably in all likelihood will not be memorable and be kind of exhausting. And yeah, maybe it'll be... I'm not, I'm, I bet you it will be very fun. But then you probably won't think about it the next day after. Um, So... I'm... Also, and look, I this isn't this isn't the biggest issue for me because ultimately I'm very satisfied with Kamala's character and the main storyline with her family. But um, I I'm, I'm I don't know if we're still supposed to be confused about like how her powers work or what the clandestine were even doing or how that portal opens or what these people are doing. I it or the fact that the bangle can travel through time like I. There's some questions that 
I think need to be answered as to like how this even functions. From I mean, from a functionality standpoint, there still seem to be a lot of confusion going around. And I feel, again, I go back to these problems could very well have been resolved if you weren't committed to just, you know, staying with that damned six episode format. And David, I'm going to I'm going to pass it off to you right now for you to um get your thoughts across as to how you felt about this episode, but I do want to close my statement with this with these uh these collection of tweets that I I think really encapsulate how I feel. Um from the Disney blog. My hot take, Marvel Studios doesn't like making TV shows. Instead, they make very long movies for TV. This disappoints people who want a great superhero TV show or a new Marvel movie, but instead get six episodes of something that could be better, if it knew what it was. That said, Miss Marvel is definitely worth watching two to three seasons of episodic TV, with an overarching story of a teenager figuring out life and her family history would have been much better. We've been robbed of that with the existing six-episode structure. Then we go to Emily St. James. Um, Disney Plus's absolute refusal to let any of its big TV shows be TV shows is so ridiculous, especially in the face of The Mandalorian, its biggest success being basically the A-team, but make it Star Wars. Miss Marvel would be a great superhero teen show. It's not hard. You want to drop Kamala into the movies at some point? Great. You can just do that. The people who haven't seen her show will figure it out. Let TV shows be TV shows. Anyway, I I want to want to reiterate. I loved this episode. The emotional moments make the show I think as the greatness that it is. But you see here ultimately why I'm so frustrated is I can see coming a mile away that the finale is going to be a disappointment. But that's just where I'm at. David. Um, <clears throat> uh, so I agree with you in that the emotional moments with her mom and grandma were really good. You know, I'm glad that mom finally knows. She finally believes her mom. Uh, the mom finally knows, believes her mom. About all the stories uh-huh. that she's told and everything. Um, and clearly, um, the mom's gonna make Kamala's costume in like a day. She did that with her costume, so like, I'm kinda excited about that. Um, and so that part is really, really good. Everything else is kind of disappointing. <laughs> um, mm. uh, <clears throat> um, so the backstory with the great grandma, um, it was it was pretty cool. I, I like building up with the love story and everything. Uh, most of my complaints, I really do have to get to spoilers of it and all that. Um, uh, it's just overall, I feel like we could have gotten a whole lot more from this episode uh, in terms yeah. of backstory. Yeah. In terms of backstory, mm-hmm. her power sets, um, and I don't know. I just. I honestly I could I would have I wouldn't have minded watching a scene with her going back to the plane going back to the US going back to Jersey and everything like we could have gone a whole lot more <laughs> so well I mean speaking of going a whole lot more even as even for the stuff that works the best in this episode which is the you know the wonderful embrace that Muniba has you know realizing that her daughter is like you know Miss Marvel I mean, in, or Nightlight as they keep calling her hilariously mm. but it, I think what Again, if you would 
I don't even think you even needed another episode. I mean, this was so short. Just spend more money and add on to the runtime. But like, I mean, have a scene where the grandmother literally just tells like Muniba, these things are true. Like, like, uh, Beta or whatever that, you know, like this is what I've been telling you. Like your daughter has the bangle and she's activated the powers. Like give us a moment Instead of just like jumping from one to the next and like, it, it, give us a scene where we see Moniba processing like this entire time her daughter has been the superhero. You could have given us that, but mm. you didn't. You seemingly felt like, oh, well, we don't have time. We got to get, we got to get this ball rolling. And again, like this is like, this is, I think, emblem. This is an example of why it feels kind of rushed. Yeah, and especially because, like, you know, this whole time in the show, she, you know, she kept kind of, the mom kept kind of, like, talking to Kamala, but like, oh, this isn't you, why are you doing all this stuff? I feel like she could have been a little bit more bothered, but the fact that she was the, what is it, nightlight person and all that, and could have, like, gone deeper into conversation, like, hey, this is kind of what we have to do. You know, and I honestly, I, this know, could have been the connection that people wanted to the Marvel Cinematic Universe brain about like, hey, they are heroes in this world. They're people with powers. And mm-hmm. you're be thankful that your daughter wants to be one of the heroes <laughs> or something like that. Exactly right. Like, again, I would have preferred a more, you know, a deeper conversation about like why she's doing this and how she feels about her daughter doing this. Like, I get the fact that she's ultimately cool with it. Of course, that's where I want her to be. But there is, for however wonderful as that scene was, and ultimately what mattered to her in that moment was like her daughter was safe. Um, considering how much you know, we've already seen um, her and her aversion to this entire superpowers and everything. It did come off as, really? You're going to be this cool about it? Like, I would expect at least some resistance. Mm-hmm. But I guess we didn't have time for that. I mean, hopefully next episode, <laughs> they'll have a deeper conversation. I don't know, but I kind of doubt it. I mean, yeah, I mean... Oh, man. This is... Uh, anyway, yeah, um... You said that everything else was disappointing. What else disappointed you? Um, I have to get to spoilers for that, I think. Uh, okay, we'll get into it then. Um, I, I do want to say... Oh, I know we've already been like bad-mouthing the episode. I do want to praise the VFX. Um, the powers looked really great. Um, like, really believable. And I also want to praise because, you know... You know, these shows get accused, unfairly so, of being cheap, you know, with the sets that they've had. And I know some people, like, expect, like, these to look like the movies and everything, which is hilarious. Because a lot of the Marvel films lately have looked cheap or cheaper than the shows themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, but with here, you you see none of that. Like, the recreation of the partition and the train station with all those people was amazing. Like, the staging of that was so, like, wonderfully executed. Like, I, I, I would really have a hard time anyone, I mean, seeing anyone, like, call that cheap. So, again, to, this is a rare compliment, 
but the VFX and the sets um, and the money they spent to get those sets looking lively, um, good job, Marvel. I can finally say that <laughs> for you doing that, the bare minimum there, but thank you for that. All right, let's go ahead and get into this episode. So we start off with an MCU intro uh, to the past uh, and to partition um, and we start off with Aisha, who is the great grandmother, the, the Aisha who, um, we have not, right, right, you know, gotten too much information out of. So David, mm-hmm. here we go. Uh, yeah, basically, um, it just starts off with her running away from some British soldier. She ends up killing him, I guess, uh, and winds up in this village where she meets this guy who's giving the speech to people about, you know getting freedom from getting back to country and all that uh and, i mean i guess a part of her does get interested in it but ultimately she wants to keep to herself um later on the same guy um goes up to her uh tells her hey got a place here we got food got a bed just come over whenever you want and she does uh you know, she he offers his he offers her food and everything, and <laughs> when he like offered her, her the food, I was like, "Is that a quesadilla?" <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I just, it looked like that, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really looked like it. Yeah, but I forgot uh, what he he called it. I wonder what it is though. I should look it up. Um. Uh, but yeah, basically, he was just kind of like getting her to talk and everything, and uh, you know, I I guess he was kind of like putting the moves on her or something. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, at least it seemed like it until that point and uh it worked you know she tells him her his name and everything and uh, you can tell that she's very interested in him then cut to later on uh, next scene and she's pregnant um probably married to him and everything um then yeah i mean it's just i mean honestly like it was it was so short super fast but i honestly believe that you know they did uh, like each other and she was she did find something interesting Mm -hmm. about him yeah uh and he does seem like a good guy he didn't uh i mean we find out this later on but i think you can tell right away that he doesn't really care you know whatever whatever's going on with her he didn't really care much he just Mm -hmm. kind of just stayed together for whatever reason Mm -hmm. Uh, then finally you know she was given birth she must I don't know how old the baby is. She might be like a year old. Who knows? Uh, but she, that's when uh, she sees who's that lady, the villain, I guess, um, outside her house and goes up to her. Turns out, I guess she was running away from them, or like her whole group. Which I don't think they went into as to why. <laughs> I think um, what the implication was is remember that scene in a few episodes back where. It opens up with the clandestine Aisha with them finding the bangle and then they get separated. I think what happens is when we, when we begin this episode, Aisha is lost um, and with every intention of finding, you know, her group. But then she kind of falls in love and she stays put. Mm. Um, and then after years and years, they find her. Oh, okay. So it's just – I guess she just stayed put hoping – they would find her or something. Who knows? Uh, well, I mean, I I think that was maybe what she was feeling initially, but then you see the concern. Yeah. Um. Ultimately, because she knows what it would take to go back home, 
But the problem is circumstances have changed. Now she's had a, she has a family. Mm-hmm. Now she has a new home. And she knows that clandestine, um, hilariously enough, she knew how cutthroat they'd be, mm-hmm. even to her, who's one of them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, basically, the villain tells her, like, all right, let's go home now. You know, <laughs> in no time. And then that's that was when she decides that uh, we should we should leave India. <laughs> just go to Pakistan. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they pack up, they head off, you know. Uh, there's a, just a bit of tension between her and her husband. Um, but finally, she gives her daughter to the husband, telling her, like, you guys got to go ahead of me. We got to go ahead without me and everything. And uh, again, I, I think this is really the moment where I did like them both together a lot. Um this is where she mentions, like, uh, you know, you never pressed me about my past. And he's like, because I never cared. You wanted to stay here with me. And that's all that mattered. Um, which, again, really nice moment, honestly. Um, so, yeah, that's when she gives the bangle to her daughter. And that's how she held on to it. Uh, so they, they head off. The family heads off. She goes back. And that's when she meets the villain again. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you're just going to leave us? <laughs> like, we want to go home. And the villain stabs her. Uh, and so Again, Ash- just like I real. Wait, hold on, David. I I just. Why the fuck is she so cutthroat? Like she just like murders people left and right, and mm-hmm. like, was the decision from these people writing the show was oh yeah she's just like she's just bad guy so we'll just write her as bad guy. Like, yeah. I'd like to see why she's that fucking cutthroat to stab Aisha, literally, in the front. You know what they should have done? It was when she was talking to Kamala, uh, you know, telling her, like, what they wanted to do with the bangle and all that. And I think she should have brought up, like, hey, this is your home. Telling her, like, oh, this is how it looks like. You know, this is, you know, kind of, like, give her more information about where they're actually from. And make it seem like she really misses it. Then at least we would have been like, okay, it makes sense why she's so ruthless and wanting to go home. <laughs> you know? Just, mm-hmm. just we need more time with the villains, honestly. That's really it. We have like a whole lot of time with the family, which is great, which is, you know. Um I was thinking of this for a while. Like, this isn't a superhero show, this is a family show, honestly. You know? Yeah, there's mm-hmm. some action scenes and yeah. all that, but I just don't see it as a superhero show, honestly. Um but yeah, so Aisha is basically dying and all that. And as she's saying that, she says, um, what is it? What you seek will find you or something like that. I can't remember the phrase. Um, but that somehow What causes... you seek is seeking you? Yeah, what you seek is seeking Okay, what's that? Um, and that somehow activates the bangle, which I do have a theory on that. Um, I think... Um, so I was, I'm going to skip ahead, but, you know, later on with the villain, she's trying to uh, close the portal um, to their world. And the last thing she does is, you know, she says, calm around like she's thinking of him. Um, and then my guess is that her essence, her soul, the part of her that is full um, gin <laughs> uh, goes into calm run. And so I think for her, she... And I think for Aisha, 
that same thing happened to her as she was dying, only it wasn't towards her daughter. It was towards the bracelet, because, I mean, maybe that's just, that's kind of what, like, powered up her powers or something like that. Gave her her powers, basically. Okay. And so, I don't know how that time travels, but, like, I guess that's why the powers activated on Kamala. Because she's not, like, she's not a, she's not even a calf, um, uh, Oh my god, what the fuck are their names? Like, they're kind. Jin? Yeah, that, but like, what was the other one? Clandestine. Oh my god. Um, she's, she, like, she's not even half clandestine. So, uh, you know, as to how she even gets powers, uh, you know, who knows, but I think it's because Aisha's essence went into the bangle and all that. That's just my huge theory. <laughs> hmm. Mm. Um, but he, uh yeah so but that causes the bengal to open a rift in time and that's when we see kamala when she shows up um she finds aisha she's kind of like we gotta get you some help but she goes no you gotta get you um, you gotta get uh my daughter to the train and everything and yeah basically she was time traveling there was a this wasn't a vision she is going to affect uh uh the space that she is around and all that and yeah so she finds her she realizes oh this is part of my complaint so yeah she finds her grandma uh you know she's trying to get through all the crowd but it's like super cramped there's people everywhere so that's when she creates the trail of stars that her grandma has mentioned many times and uh she gets back to her dad um <laughs> just my one complaint though is that as Good as they made it look super cramped and everything. Mm -hmm. I just kind of wish it was more of a struggle for her to get to uh, her grandpa, get her grandma back to her uh, her dad mm. and everything. It's just that was just maybe my one complaint because like everything just kind of like worked itself out <laughs> in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, that's just yeah, that's mainly that's my big complaint on on that scene. Just kind of. Wish it was more of a struggle or something. Uh, trying to get her, trying to get her grandma to the train. But yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, basically she realized that it was her all along that got her grandma to the train. And uh, that takes her back in time. <laughs> back to her present. And then the portal opens up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why does it kill the clandestine? I don't. What happened there? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I mean, I will say it is kind of funny how the first one was like, we can go home. Yeah. Then she touches it and she fucking just turns to stone and dies. Yeah. Um, I don't know what was the point of, from the VFX standpoint, including the skeleton. Like, like, cause like the skin falls up, but then the skeleton's still intact, and then it also falls through. Like, I'm not sure I get why, but that's the choice. Mm. Kind of came off a little bit goofy, which is why I was just laughing <laughs> when that happened. Yeah. Um. Also, I didn't like her, so you know it was funny. Mm -hmm. Um. When you know, shitty characters uh just die off like that. Yeah. I more so laughed uh, when the villain realized what happened and she's just like oh shit what am i supposed to do now like that's kind of her reaction it was funny yeah um 
I'm yeah. It's really unclear what happened or why it happened, and I feel that's. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's going to be answered next week. But also, why would you kill them off now? Like, really? This is the resolution for the clandestine? Like, even that was so uninteresting and mishandled, mm-hmm. I feel. Um, yeah, I... And then at the last moment... Um, what's her name? Evelyn? The last one that was standing there. The oh. Kamran's mom. I've just been calling her the villain. <laughs> the uh, villain. Okay. So anyway, well, is she? Because she's dead now. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least she was. Um, at the last moment, she's like, she realizes, oh, that's right. I have a son. I left him. Mm-hmm. What the fuck do you care, lady? Like you, you clearly have no regard for him. You've shown no regard for him the entire time. Now you're gonna be like, look, I don't mind. The moments where the bad guy has like, oh, a realization and they do one last good act. Fine, whatever. But at least make it believable. Mm -hmm. You've given us, you've shown us no moment where she gives a single fuck about her son versus herself. She left him basically to be trapped in this dimension for her to go cross the other side. Why would you give a fuck? Mm Mm-hmm. And then sacrifice yourself. Like, again, the idea of these moments don't bother me. It's the execution of it mm-hmm. that kind of um, makes the whole thing not work because it's not believable in the least. And then her essence finally is a Kamran, and then I guess he gets powers. Okay, whatever. Anywho, come in, the parents, and they're like, oh my God, was that you? And, uh, you know, they're... Hugging each other, and then Kamala uh, gives her grandmother a photo of her as a baby, and then her two parents, and it gets emotional. And that was, and that was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she hopscotches away to go deal with um, the remainder of um, the Red Daggers. Yeah. Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, the Red Daggers, it's amazing how little they got in the show. Yeah. Like, it just came in and out of the story, and I guess that was that. Mm-hmm. Just, like, so rushed. So little. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> they don't... I feel like they just don't want to give out too much, because maybe they want to put it in the Marvel's movie, or maybe they'll want to make a Miss Marvel movie now after this. And then that's when they'll get deep into all of the lore between her stuff. And so I think that's part of the reason why there's so very little material um, in this show. So you're saying is the reason for um, this project having a creative, um, you know, suffering creatively, shall we say, is because um, of something else almost entirely unrelated on the side needing the pieces to move in this direction. Mm -hmm. So kind of the same thing that always happens is um, these individual stories are, you know, subservient to the larger cinematic universe. And so by necessity, they have to suffer from a creative standpoint to serve the whole. Mm -hmm. Because that's what I'm hearing is the reason for why these things are not as good as they could be. 
yeah, basically, which it's it's a dumb idea, not because you know you're making this material not the best. It's just more so you don't have them forever. <laughs> like I feel like you know Chadwick Boseman is the best example. Honestly, they could have made like I don't know ten movies with him, but mm-hmm. that's not anymore. You know, and any of these actors at one point could want to quit acting. That's actually that happened almost a lot of times with Chris Evans. Um, he's mentioned before in interviews, like he always says, like, okay, this is the last movie I'm going to do just because he can't deal with the anxiety of it <laughs> and everything. And so I feel like he just, I mean, obviously don't put like every single thing, you know, but just, you know, give your writers enough so that they can make a complete and good story. <laughs> and so yeah especially when some of these actors they're you know they're getting they're getting up in age you know i think who was it? um uh drax well the guy who plays drax you know he's dave bautista Dave Bautista. i think it was him that was like i'm getting old i don't want to keep exercising <laughs> you know i don't want to have these muscles i can't keep up with these muscles basically is what he's saying and so it's just a really dumb idea that they can't you know, you you can put this in, but you can't put, you know, it's just, well, they give us like a little sliver of it <laughs> and that's what you get. And so, yeah, that's just annoying, <laughs> honestly, with a lot of these Marvel stuff coming out. Um, anyway. What do we got from here? Uh, um, yeah, basically, you know, uh. You get that you get that resolution with the villains and the mom and the grandma, and then they're back home, and they're just talking a little bit about the past. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, was it Kamala's mom? Uh, they told her this, they told Kamala the story of when her mom <laughs> followed Bon Jovi <laughs> all around. <laughs> basically, yeah, and she was just like, "What the heck? You did that?" <laughs> um, and that just kind of led to this another family moment where. Kamala's mom is just kind of like, I can't let you go yet, you know, as much as, <laughs> uh, you know, you keep co- sort of running away in a sense, you know, I'm not going to let you go. Uh, and yeah, and I think, oh, she also kind of, um, Kamala's mom apologizes to her mom, basically saying like, I should have paid attention to you uh, when you said this, I just had trouble believing, but you know. Uh, basically, you know, she's paying attention now, and she believes her, and they just got mm-hmm. them closer together. Again, this is the part. This is the like honestly the best moment <laughs> in the uh, in the whole episode. And uh, we said in the beginning, we love the family moments. It, this is a family show. Uh, and then now we're back in Jersey. Uh, who was uh, Comron finds Bruno. He asks him, asks him for for his help. Uh, the whole thing's kind of awkward between the two. <laughs> he doesn't really know how to talk to Bruno and everything. Bruno seems kind of annoyed that he's here and everything. Uh, I did like the moment, though, where he's just like, you know what, let's just start all over. You know, hey, I'm Comron. It's like, hey, I'm Bruno. And he's just like, oh, shit, dude. I, th- I really thought your name was Brian. <laughs> it was, uh, it was just oh, funny. my God, he- man. Wow. <laughs> Uh, it was actually kind of funny because I actually did think that he was calling him Brian on purpose, but <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was convinced. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then it was, there was, there was kind of a sad moment, uh, you know, where Bruno was kind of like, dude, your mom left you. Like, which made you think she's going to come back? And he's kind of like, no, she'll come back. Which, uh, <laughs> that does kind of suck because he did believe her. I, I mean, I don't know why he would, but, you know, I, I guess maybe he just thought that she'll do the right thing in the end or something. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, now they just, they were just quickly trying to come up with a plan, hoping he can get away from damage control, but a drone shows up, um, Kamran attacks it and sends like a missile towards Bruno's shop and yeah, abrupt ending. Oh, he also says, um, he's like, oh, you have powers? And then it cuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, is the Department of Damage Control not under the jurisdiction of the U.S. government? Because what kind of buffoons are they to just open fire on a civilian building? I think that was an accident. That was because of Comron shooting it, wasn't it? No, they were aiming to shoot. Oh, okay. Mm. They were. I think they already shot, and then Comron deflected it. Mm. Okay. Like what? What are these people? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems a bit um, unrealistic. Like, I mean, if you're gonna have damage control in this show, are you trying to like, are you trying to make them come off as you know negligent? You know, as most cops are, mm-hmm. um, in their like you know overuse of violence, or are you trying? Because in some ways, they come off kind of nefarious. Is that mm-hmm. the the intent for this or what? And then, of course, we don't know because then it just cuts to black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll just... I mean, I think most of the next episode is just going to be fo- is focused on damage control. And then hopefully they can provide some background as to, like, why they're so adamant yeah. on, getting, on getting... Yeah, damage control, by the way, he has barely been in the show. Yeah. They've barely been in the show. Mm-hmm. And yet they somehow get the the limelight for the finale. I I, I truly do not understand these decisions. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's all I have to say about this week. Anything you have to say that's left? Um, we never brought it up, but you know the credits uh, in this in the show. You know they always add like a song in the end. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. I, I I usually just skip the credits. Hopefully, to see if there's an after credits and all that. But this time, I kind of like paid attention mm-hmm. to it. I have no idea what the mm-hmm. lyrics were saying, but uh, it sounded really nice. And this is actually like my favorite song <laughs> uh, of the mm. show. I mean, it was just kind of interesting. And I finally the like, music has been amazing in this show. Oh, for sure. In terms of the songs and the score and everything, I really did love the part in the end in the fourth episode. You know, like she's on mm-hmm. top of the train and just kind of like. Builds up intensity and all that. Yeah, it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also, I also paid attention to the credits and what they were showing. I love that they they were showing. I don't know if it was Jersey or Pakistan. I think it might have been Pakistan because she's in, she's over there. But you know, I just I love that they're putting mm-hmm. the artwork from the comics and I think from her culture in it. It just it made it seem so nice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, how next week goes thank you so much for listening I'll stay under our spotlight for more podcasts and more and uh, we will see you next time bye bye bye